0: The R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Laduma Nortolo is the founder of Matosa by Laduma. He is a knitwear and textile designer, famous for his designs which are inspired by traditional Xhosa beadwork. He's also credited for taking Xhosa heritage to the world of high fashion. He's been named Fashion Designer of the Year in Africa, and his work is seen on stages around the world is a fashion designer who's turned local culture into a cultural phenomenon around the world.
1: I started making money when the pressure was on because my late mother taught me how to knit at the beginning of the year in grade 8. Later that year she passed away so we had to think of ways as, as a childhood at home of raising money for bread, for bus fare and all the other resources that we need for school. And so I sold scarves. At um, at school, I went to Lawson Brown High School, so the the school shop
0: was my competitor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bruce Whitfield, and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. It all starts in the Eastern Cape when your mum teaches you to knit. Now, for little boys or young mm. men to learn to knit, I was taught yep. as a seven year old to knit, and mm. a kid from another class found my knitting, and I never knitted again. <laughs> That, didn't, that that fate didn't befall you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had sort of the same experience as well. Um, I learned how to knit when I was in grade eight. But prior to that, I used to do beadwork, crochet with my late mother. The knitting was more technical. It was a small piece of machine, a domestic knitting machine. That is what fascinated me more, is that I could use a machine at home, in my room, and make to make a fabric, and make a full garment. But um, I kept it a secret for all of my high school year. It is only when I went out of high school um, that I announced that, oh, I'm a knitter, I'm going to study textile design and technology as as, as a degree.
0: Because your mom was a knitwear designer. Tell me her story.
1: Yes, she was back in the 80s uh, in Port Elizabeth. She had a small studio in a small town near Brighton. And she had a a small clientele in her community. Um, She seemed to be a person that did it uh, as an impulsive um, um, skill because the minute she got married, uh, she all let it all off and became a housewife. Um, Unfortunately, she couldn't elevate on that part, you know, because of the political circumstance at the time. But uh, she seemed to be very good at it. Actually, later in my years at university, I I came across an Afrikaans lady, 80 something years old, and I told her that I'm a knitter and she was a tutor at the university and apparently she taught my mother how to knit and became my mentor.
0: Mum was clearly the inspiration. I mean, you were clearly artistic mm. as a youngster. I mean, you were doing the beadwork and stuff again, very traditional, yeah. but not making any money from it at mm. that stage,
1: or were you? Primary school level, I wasn't making money out of it. Um, I was it was more impulsive. Um, I guess I was good at it because I was patient, more patient than, than other siblings. <laughs> and they practiced craft as well. But uh, I took my time and started a beanie from start to finish with, with the crochet needle. Um, I started making money when the pressure was on uh, because my late mother taught me how to knit at the beginning of the year um, in grade 8. Later that year, she passed away. So we had to think of ways as, as a childhood, yeah, childhood at home of, 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 of raising money for bread, for bus fare and all the other resources that we need for school. And so I sold scarves at um, at school. I went to Lawson Brown High School. So the the, 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 the school shop was my competitor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a passion led by your own desire to design, but your mom enabled you and empowered you with the skill. Yeah. And then necessity bred the desire for survival and mm. to create the basis of what is now great business
1: yeah not only the skills part um she was an entrepreneur herself i don't remember her going to work she used to fetch her at school on a daily basis all four of us and uh, i had to beg you know to fetch me anymore in high school she was a different thinker so to, to adapt to be an entrepreneur wasn't something that was challenging for me it came naturally mm-hmm. So I I, I knew that um, that there is the ultimate direction that I wanted to follow in life. And um, it became a passion. It didn't feel like work anymore.
0: Did your education teach you anything? I mean, beyond some technical skills. Because (laughs) some people are born creative and have producers, And sometimes education stifles that creativity. Yeah.
1: When I finished my matric, I had to make a very tough decision. I got depressed during my matric year because I was questioning a lot, you know, things, you know, whether what my purpose is and where to, 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 to push my, my, my career direction. And I ultimately decided, OK, I think let me elevate my skill and, 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 and enhance it with education, because I thought at that time, if I didn't um, um, infuse education, I could only hit the ceiling, uh, which is my hometown. I couldn't go beyond and, 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 and distribute nationally across the continent and, and, and offshore. Um, so that helped me a lot, you know, because I I, I learned how to formalize my business basically with with, with all the academic um, um, knowledge that I accumulated.
0: You graduate from what many people would refer to as the University of Port Elizabeth that then mm. became the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University, now Nelson Mandela University. Yes, yeah. um, and it... You graduate, and at that point, do you know that you're going to take traditional Kosa designs, inspired Kosa designs? Is that the game? Is that the aim when you start out? I had no idea at all,
1: to be honest. Um, I only had the experience of um, immersing myself in, anthro- in Kosa anthropology when I was growing up with our mother. Um, reading Xhosa Anthropology books to us as bedtime stories. And then I reconnected with that after my initiation uh, and procedure, which was in 2007. Because I became more curious, you know, as who I come from. And because I was disconnected with our father, I wanted to know more about where my family lineage comes from. So I did a lot of research about Kosa beadwork throughout university until it came to a time in, in, in 2010 when I founded the, 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 the thesis project um, where I tried to, 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 to discover how traditional Kosa beadwork can be used to make netwe modern netwe for TOSA for, for
0: initiates. What is the origin of the beadwork? Because people were doing beadwork for centuries, lots of traditions, the, the mm. tradition with clay and ceremony yeah. and yeah. all of this stuff which is deeply embedded in your heritage, mm. Mm. to then take that mm. and adapt it for a 21st century. What motivated you to do
1: that? My thought process was, was centered around um, identity. Um, we, as the youth millennials, I felt like the type of identity that we adopted wasn't really ours. Buying jerseys that are Pringle Scotland with argyle motifs felt to me personally, as a fashion designer, as a textile designer, that is, it is a borrowed culture. Um, so it, it, it was sort of like borrowed power that uh, would often be taken away. So I thought, okay, let me discover something that would resonate with us that will celebrate us that would acknowledge our past and I stumbled upon a, a collection of astonishing beadwork that I think hypothetically are the most beautiful beadwork you'd find in the world
0: was it from a particular place was it a particular time in history what was that particular moment some of those beadwork pieces were from the
1: 1800s most of the beads were, were bought from traders mm. um, were scattered in the Eastern Cape. I researched and found out that these beads, actually, because I, I, I wondered how did the manufacturing of these beads come about. Um, according to anthropology, these beads were manufactured mainly in Czech Republic. And um, the Dutch and the English, they were traders mm-hmm. of these beads and, and used to sell them locally um, within the Eastern Cape. And in the absence of currency, people even used cows yeah. To 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 trade with these beads, but what fascinated me is the artistry that these women came up with. You know,
0: because b- before settler times and yeah. before the traders came, mm. those beads wouldn't have existed. So they wouldn't. How were people expressing themselves before beads? Because there must have been an evolution, mm. and then into textiles.
1: According to anthropology, people were using bones. They used to um, um, refine bones and and use bones as beadwork. They used shells Mm. and and, and, and various other uh, minerals. Um, But those were not as flamboyant and, and very well um, um crafted as bees and harder to work with yeah know. yeah I, I can imagine it was super hard work to work with um i've i've often seen those references from 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 the quisen and, mm. and 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 thought they they've still kept that primitive appeal but uh, with the cars they they evolved
0: but it, it's so interesting that through human history, we've mm. we've sought to beautify and enhance our environment. So we yeah. take things from our environment, mm. we beautify and enhance those mm. um, and create beautiful things. Yeah. You've taken that history mm. and you've now evolved it into textiles. Yes. How much of a shift is that?
1: Um, I think it's a great shift because my method um, involves technology, the spin-off Possibilities are much wider. Like I can take one design and spin it off in in ten colorways within an hour. I can take one motif or ten motifs and spin off like a thousand designs. You know, so it became infinite the, the transition from beadwork to textiles. And and for me, I felt like I needed to acknowledge the the initial craftsmanship and graphic imprint. Hence, I. Decided to call the brand my mm. which means the closer people yeah. according to my
0: perspective So if you look at globalized Fashion and mm. you look at Armani and mm. you look at Pringle and mm. you look at Gap for mm. example mm. They're focused on simplicity and they're mm. focused on the basics and they've made bleeding fortunes <laughs> over over decades What you do is about as far away from basic simplicity as you can possibly get mm. quite from a business perspective quite high risk mm. or not
1: our dna is our currency simplicity of course is is what we want to achieve over time but not compromising what we represent like for instance um i'm
0: wearing a golf shirt as we speak now You're wearing a golf shirt it is primarily red But it has diamond shapes on it. The top sort of third Mm. of the golf shirt is a beautiful sky blue diamond pattern there is a white zigzag then the the bottom third is dominated by the pink zigzag and diamond pattern the sleeves are the same color i think yes the sleeves are are, are dark maybe dark brown or black um with traditional corset motif on it and then sort of finished off with one with a pink edging and the other sleeve with a yellow edging and on the middle of this shirt is a blue, what, we, what do you call the buttony-up bit of the golf shirt? The button stand. The button stand yeah. and a black collar. Mm. Now, nobody in global fashion would have put that together, would have ever envisaged putting mm. all of those designs together in one.
1: Hence, um, um, I say it is our DNA that is our currency. So we have explored simple ideas you know which is a special request from our corporate clientele mm. that want to wear something that they can wear at work on a daily basis um but have a touch of my class so we've recently launched a golf shirt range um which has um um, um uh, embossed patterns so the patterns are not f- mm. colorful they're embossed you can still see them as 3d patterns uh, and of course a trimming on the cuffs and patting on the collar is what we cannot take out you know so that is that detail is still there um, because we're thinking about those people that don't want to stand out um, um, but yet want to make a statement
0: what's so interesting about fashion is once you produce what you produce and you put it into the market Mm. different groups appropriate that design yeah yeah. um burberry had a Mm. problem at one stage where Mm. suddenly not their traditional market the so-called chavs decided burberry was cool Mm. and burberry's brand was undermined almost by this huge market of people they never thought would buy their stuff suddenly Mm. buying it suddenly it was no longer elite it was footballers, Mm. and they lost control of the brand. Well, their understanding of the brand. How do you feel about putting your work, your culture, your tradition, everything Mm. that you stand for into a market over which you have no control?
1: I prefer that, actually, than confining my work within my premises. I like throwing ideas out there to the market and try to get public opinion of what people think. and, And when I first got here in Johannesburg I spent a while uh, working at, the, uh, at our retail store because I wanted to hear people's feedback on what suggestions they have and that simple golf shirt conservative golf shirt was one of those suggestions that came from customers people have used our garments in in, in a way that we never expected as well and we've attracted the um, clientele that we never anticipated like Arabs and and Indians, uh, I never imagined that they would adorn themselves in these makasa pieces as well.
0: What makasa means for you doesn't necessarily have any meaning Mm. for your customer. Does that worry you at all? Or are you just happy the fact that they're willing to take your design without Mm. any understanding of its Mm. background and the blood, the sweat and the tears and the hundreds of years of tradition that then informed it? I always try best to share the
1: compelling story before the work. But first of all, what, what attracts our customers is the beauty, is how we put color together, how we balance it, and how we simplify it. And then the compelling story comes after, and then people get to appreciate the price more and say that, actually, this should be much... I was I expect to pay much more than I did purchasing is a journey doesn't Mm. end from from a person paying and getting the product you know so we try to get on platforms where we can share our our story
0: your intellectual property is your intellectual property and you've recently butted heads with a global multinational Mm. like so many stories like this you get a call one day to say hey you've got your socks in (laughs) xyz store and you go no i don't Yeah, yeah tell us the tale
1: I got a Instagram direct message from a friend who lives in London and said, Hey, do you have a collaboration with uh, with with this global entity? And I said, Nope. And then someone from New York came, sent a DM as well. And someone from Sanitin sent a DM as well. And I thought, OK, now it's a problem. I looked online. It was also online and Germany and various parts of the world. And I thought, okay, it is time to take action because um, it does affect our sales in a way.
0: But it's beyond that. It's outright theft of yeah, intellectual was, property. I mean, this was your sock design. It was yeah. specifically socks, as mm, I remember. It specifically socks, your sock next to the sock of the multinational retailer. Mm. And there was absolutely nothing to choose between the two from yeah. a design perspective.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was a carbon copy of what we did 3 years ago fortunately we we seek legal remedy and we found a solution uh, of how we as, as, as both parties can meet halfway and um, they were submissive and they pulled out the products globally as soon as people make, made a hoo ha on social media and they sincerely asked to sell out of court and we in the process of concluding that matter.
0: I mean, as awful an experience as that was, it must also have been a very eye-opening experience to say, hold on a second, here is Mm. a mainstream retailer Mm. that is taking our designs, making the mainstream light bulb moment, Mm. opportunity Mm -hmm. moment, Mm. actually, if you look at the upside of it.
1: Yeah, it was an awakening moment because for a long time now, Local people thought that we are secondary market, you know, um, we only get new collections after three years, after two years. um, Whereas now we are becoming a source of inspiration. Um, Well, for the high-end fashion houses, we have been becoming, but they take from traditional cultural aesthetic, which has no sense of belonging or IP um, 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 belonging to to someone. So... um, They just happened to tap on the wrong foot um, this time because I had documents to prove that.
0: They're taking inspiration and there's theft. And this Mm. was intellectual property theft, which they've admitted, and you're now sitting out of court. What happens now to Mm. Matossa? Where, mm. What is the the brand journey of Matosana? No, you you well established. You got mm. yourself global attention, mm. um, courtesy of plagiarism. Mm. Um, <laughs> you can capitalize on this opportunity. I yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. The, our, our journey now is our first stage is to expand more locally. Um, we've had um, a lot of requests coming from Durban. Um, people want to purchase our products there. We we've we we've come up with solutions for Port Elizabeth, our hometown. We've been in Cape Town for years now and been here in Jobeck for years and we are expanding in Nigeria and Kenya. I've always felt that our African market is our our priority market. People often have a misconception that we prioritize the overseas market and think that it has higher volumes whereas we we move much volumes locally. But uh, other than that um, we are expanding our portfolio and we've We've gone as far as making um,
0: iPhone cases. Um, it's, a, it's a wooden iPhone case, but with beadwork. I mean, it's so distinctly Matkosa. I mean, that is that is almost the trademark of Matkosa. You see that, you think Matkosa brand immediately. Absolutely. And we've penetrated
1: steadily in the luxury market as well. Um, most of our customers um, think of us as an, as an alternative to Gucci brand, Louis Vuitton and
0: various other pool of luxury brands. And that's the market to play in because the mm. margins are good. Yes. The opportunities are good. Mm. Tell me about DJ Black Coffee. I mean, the more I talk about this guy, the more I realize how mm. invested he is in mm. so many, many really interesting ventures across our country. Yeah, he's a very
1: brilliant an- entrepreneur, brave and willing person to take risks. The latest that we've that I've done with him, along with uh, Nelson Magamo, who has his artwork on the cover of current Time magazine. We started an initiative called FAM, Fashion Art Music. We recently bought a building where we've housed all our studios in. The long-term plan is to establish a higher education institutions. What we realized, actually, when we met, the three of us, the initial idea was to was, was was to do a collaboration for for Black Coffee's CD cover, and that wasn't the result.
0: It's amazing how those conversations evolve. You've got three yeah. creative people around a table. It's like, okay, we got to do the CD cover, mm. and suddenly you're not talking about the CD cover anymore. Yeah. You're just talking about yeah. the world. Discover that
1: we had something in common in you know, all three of us. We are successful in our in our field. And went to university and and didn't accumulate the the business acumen from that, rather from the playing field. We felt that the business acumen side of design and music and art should be standard part of the curriculum. And so I just happened to go to to have had the opportunity to study at the, the best fashion university in the world the Central St. Martin's in London. I wanted to take that experience here at home and establish a, the best institution in, in Africa and the world because um, we've got tremendous talent in the continent, but it, a lot of it is limited by resources and institutions. What are your time frames? What are your time frames? On? Um, we're looking at two year time frame um, to, to, to get a curriculum sorted and uh, Mr. um, David Maguze, our premier, has also committed to be a strong form of support um, for us within the resources they have within the
0: province. So much of this has also helped be funded with collaborations with corporate clients. Mm -hmm. Um, You've worked with the likes of the Sunlums and the Shivas of the world, even Nivea, in helping create brand identities and helping enhance brand identities.
1: Yeah, that has helped elevate and gain visibility of our brand a lot those collaborations were were, were very much based on, on pushing communal development with the Shiva's one I did a great project I did all the cities and did a workshop um, of about 50 emerging designers um, that was a, a very compelling um, journey and something the direction that I like taking with brands uh, and and making something that has impact to society.
0: I mean, do you put yourself in the shoes of those young designers and say, I wish somebody had done this 15 years ago?
1: Yes, 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 yes,
0: absolutely. I wish I had that luck. Unfortunately, the Nelson Mandela University
1: offered me that platform where they they established an incubator. I was a guinea pig, the first incubatee of that program, but not on a high level Um, like I did it to them. Um, I've even gone as far as opening up And Eastern Cape fashion, fashion and design, concern
0: because Eastern Cape is such a frustrating province from the point of view of the extraordinary potential, and Mm. it's just been so neglected mm, mm. as as a part of our country. It's uh, you know, Historically, yeah. in the last 150 years, lots yeah. of people have migrated from there for mm. work, and societies mm. haven't worked out, mm. and it's just not had the investment it's required. And yeah. so by putting money back in... Mm. Help to grow a province with a very rich cultural heritage Mm. massively diverse in terms of opportunity from design to tourism to so much other good stuff that can Mm. happen in that part of the world and you're investing back
1: yeah i i felt like i had to because it is an emergency society especially in the youth unemployment side so uh, last week i was there um, to speak at the Nelson Mandela University and to speak at the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan Art Museum and um, signed up a few other members to the, to, to the council because that is how I am able to commit um, 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 on community development work through an NPO, basically. So we had a donation from the MEC of the Eastern Cape who said, please create three other like Tomas with the with the funding that you are giving you so that has been very defining moment
0: do you pinch yourself sometimes and you go mm. here's this kid from New Brighton his mum taught him to knit when mm. he was in grade A Who got a break and went to university and made that choice to get into design hit on an idea mm. d- with global potential that can have local impact I do honestly I
1: do one of the most defining moments where uh, Pinched myself was got invited to speak next month at the Condenas Luxury Conference, which uh, is the first luxury conference in Africa. And amongst those speakers, I'll be speaking with uh, the CEO of Gucci, the environmental CEO of, of Louis Vuitton Group, the Beers Group Chairman, the Conde Nast Chairman, and all the top dogs I amongst that list, and uh, Hanil Rupert and Dr. Precious Mutzepe. I'm the youngest in that panel and um, the only black guy, you know. So I thought, wow, if hadn't I taken that decision seven years ago, I don't think I would have been there at all.
0: The incredible story of Laduma Okolo, who is the founder of Matossa by Laduma, taking the global stage by storm. RB solutionist thinking. For more in this series,
1: visit 702.co.za.